So, Rachel, mm-hmm. this week's episode, Kirk uses a desperate gamble, the Cormanite maneuver, to save the Enterprise from destruction at the hands of Balok, a mysterious alien who accuses him of trespassing. Aliens! It's been so long. <laughs> it has been a while, hasn't it? Ooh. Imagine this Balok guy wearing a long, worn-out leather coat. <laughs> Although sparkles do tend to be the fabric of choice, don't they? I don't know where I'm getting that from, but I'm very sure about it. I think we might get some prosthetics at last. I imagine him more dystopian military than the sparkly big-headed Talosians, but who knows why? Where are they trespassing, I'm wondering? Are they on his turf for some kind of service? Maybe a paranoid guy with guns defending his ranch. We might get some Kirk Foo. If he's more of a fighter than a thinker. Yeah, could be, possibly. The manoeuvre will be something that kills them all if it doesn't work. Such as hurtling straight for the planet. Oh, jeez. Yeah. I got nothing. (laughs) (laughs) Just (laughs) making it up. That is something. However, it's all completely wrong. Uh, Completely wrong. Yes. Hello, I am Chris Lackey, and I am here with my wife, Rachel Lackey, who never really watched Star Trek, never really liked Star Trek, had no interest in Star Trek, but I have persuaded her to watch the original series of Star Trek and discuss it here with me. I like this previously on Rachel Watches Star Trek type approach. I suppose this is the 11th episode. This is our 11th episode, yes. If uh, it was England, we would have been well into the second series by now. (laughs) True, true. And I just want to say before we get started, we have a Patreon account to support this show. We are dangerously close to hitting the level where we're going to do more than one show a month. We'll be doing two shows. So please, the best way you can support this show besides financially is just telling everybody, telling all your friends, telling anybody you think might enjoy the show to give it a listen to. And that, that would be great. And thanks. And thank you so much for backing. We're going to thank all the backers at the end of this episode. But right now, let's talk about what I thought was one of my favorite episodes of Star Trek. <laughs> oh, but I'm hearing a butt. <laughs> but, well, it didn't hold up as well as I, I uh, remembered it uh, holding mm. up. I still enjoyed it, but still, let's get into it. So it starts off with the USS Enterprise is star charting a region of previously unexplored space. There's a weird, shaky jib kind of camera work felt voyeuristic yeah yeah hmm. it was different than uh, the normal i wondered why uhura was wearing mustard she looks awful <laughs> not being mean it's just she looks really ill yeah it's like the makeup was really bad mm. and her hair was a little tussled and it yeah. was uh, but she looked as though if somebody showed her a plate of seafood she would just hurl <laughs> She didn't. Was she hungover? I, well, here's the thing. This was actually the first episode filmed with Ohura, McCoy, and Rand. Mm. Now, remember, we're seeing these episodes in a different order from which they were filmed. Don't they care? It's confusing. I don't think people are paying much attention to what costumes people are wearing. We're really studying the show. Yeah. Whereas other people, I think, just kind of watch it a little bit more casually. Mm, we're actually looking at the women. <laughs> <laughs> oh, zing! Man! Ouch. There are a few dudes also running around in uniforms from the pilot episode. Oh, how do they get on the loose? I don't know. They're just a bunch of nuts, those guys. (laughs) So Spock's in charge at the moment on the bridge. Sulu says there's some strange object, and that strange object is a big cube. Yeah, they're being chased by a disco dice. (laughs) Loads of threat music. (laughs) 
They try to get around it, but it moves to block them at every turn. And the chief navigator is this guy, Lieutenant Dave Bailey. He kind of wigs out. And then gets told off for shouting. Yeah, he's not great under pressure. They try a few tricks to get past it, but no dice. But they've done it. They've finally gone where no man has gone before. Oh, right. Yeah, they're actually exploring. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Is this the first episode where they actually are exploring Uncharted? I think so. Haven't all the previous been dropping off chili peppers yeah. or doing a medical exam? Well, Miri, they discovered that planet. Mm, they were aliens, really, even though they looked human. Yeah. Hmm. Anyway, we pick up in sickbay. A very sweaty, topless Kirk is pumping his legs on a machine. <laughs> Do you remember when you used to pump my legs? Oh, yeah. <laughs> I can't remember why, but Chris used to just kind of squeeze my legs for me because they were kind of, I don't know, restless. Yeah. And he would sing, get those legs up pumping, pumping, stumping, jumping. <laughs> do, do you miss it? Do you want me to pump your legs some more? For some reason, I don't need it anymore. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> really changed we all change <laughs> so while kirk is getting his very shirtless quarterly physical i know they love having women in short skirts but they mm. cannot keep a shirt on shatner <laughs> ever also his he's got this favorite pose that he always does while shirtless <laughs> it's towel slash shirt around the neck <laughs> grasping the ends well, that's true <laughs> like every time he's you know he kind of goes back you know rocks his shoulders back and forth yeah and in this episode it's towel and shirt at the same time <laughs> <laughs> He loves it. <laughs> well, there's only a light for the red alert. No sound. So McCoy keeps forcing Kirk to pump. Yeah. he's Well, he's got to get this physical done. And when called out on it, McCoy says, what am I, a doctor or a moon shuttle conductor? If I jumped every time a light came on around here, I'd end up talking to myself. And then he is by himself talking to himself. Because <laughs> Kirk left. Yeah, what, what does he mean, a moon shuttle conductor? What, what is that? That's <laughs> that's kind of a, a McCoy bit. He goes, I'm a doctor, not a bricklayer. Or like, okay. I'm a doctor, not of this. Or, you know. It's only a moon shuttle conductor who would tell somebody that there was an emergency evacuation <laughs> happening. <laughs> yes. Then Kirk heads up in the lift past a million floors. Man, that's a huge ship. Well, the original Constitution class ship, which is the Enterprise... Uh, it's 22 decks, I think. Maybe <laughs> You're just saying things now. No. I mean, the, the original <laughs> constitutional ship. Well, because they, the Enterprise changes and becomes an Enterprise-class vessel oh, later on. Goodness, it's one and of those then, things. Yeah, well, there's the, the no, class I mean, of, What? It's one of those things where I wish I hadn't said anything. <laughs> <laughs> I've got so used to, as a therapist, just kind of paraphrasing back what people say because it keeps them talking, but then... <laughs> Sometimes I regret it on the show. <laughs> uh, yeah, 22 decks. Cool. Uh, on the bridge, Bailey is ticked off at Spock and goes off on how he's, you know, I'm just having emotional reactions. Mm. I've got an adrenal gland. Ever hear of it? <laughs> and Spock zings him back by asking Bailey if he's ever considered to have it removed. I was with both of them. Yeah, yeah. But Sulu, man, he's like, do you have some aloe vera cream? Because you got burned. <laughs> Actually, he says something a little more odd. He says uh, that you will always lose when you're crossing brains with Spock. Oh. Crossing brains? Does he mean crossing swords, crossing brains? Yeah, I guess so. If you match wits with Spock, you're going to lose because he's awesome. It's pure logic. The disco cube is 107 meters <laughs> on each edge, uh, nearly 11,000 metric tons in mass. Scotty has no idea how it works, and it won't communicate with them. Bailey says, we've got phaser weapons. I vote we blast it. And the Kirk is like, uh, I'll keep that in mind, Mr. Bailey, when this becomes a democracy. Oh, yikes. Shutting him down. <laughs> Everyone gets knocked out of their seat. 
No seatbelts? Is it like a cruise ship that barely feels the waves because it's so big? They have this thing called artificial gravity, and they also have uh, inertial dampers. And according to the Star Trek Encyclopedia, inertial dampers were invented by Star Trek writers to explain how the crew avoided becoming chunky salsa when the starships <laughs> accelerated or deaccelerated. What? <laughs> chunky salsa? Well, when you accelerate so quickly, it would just smoosh you. <sighs> you know, the pressure of, of the acceleration would be, you know, cram you into, into nothing. Oh, something disgusting about that idea <laughs> of people becoming chunky salsa. It's, just, it's too specific. <laughs> uh, hang on. Why does it not work in this case? They're all going flying all over the place. Well, they have limits on their inertial dampening. They can only compensate so much. Hmm. I guess it's just more dramatic, really. So 18 hours later, the department heads meet in the briefing room. Why not just chat on the bridge? I guess not to talk about tactics in front of the crewmen. Hmm. You know how they get. <laughs> Chatty and nervous and stuff. And they're like, ooh. Uh, they think it might be a buoy of some kind or maybe even a trap. So they want to get out of there, definitely. Bailey jumps the gun and he wants to start blasting the thing, but Kirk <laughs> just wants to uh, do some fancy flying. So they, they get to the bridge and they try it out. No good. They can't shake it and it's getting closer. Plus now it's emitting lethal radiation. Oof. They go faster. It's still getting closer while the radiation levels are getting higher and critical to the ship. So Kirk orders Bailey to finally open fire, but he's totally freaking out and doesn't get the order. So mm. Kirk has to yell at him to get him going. He's not really freaking out. He's just kind of zoning out, isn't he? He's not alert like they need him to be. Right. No, he's, he's not at all. But he manages to finally fire those phasers. However, when it is destroyed, it rocks the Enterprise with a, a shockwave. Mm. Space is now open and free. They can go. Box is, you know, we should get out of here. We were in some territory that we shouldn't be in. Mm. And the Kirk's like, hey, dude. Our mission is to explore. Let's go deeper into this region and contact the creators of this cube. Ooh. If they do exist. Spock gets in a good zinger about how inefficient it is for Kirk to question him about something when he's already made his mind up. <laughs> <laughs> so Kirk has Bailey and the crew do drills to get their response time faster. And I'm thinking, why doesn't he just ditch Bailey? And actually, so is McCoy. Mm. Because when he gets Kirk alone in the turbo lift, he tells him off. He's like, look, you promoted Bailey way too fast. That guy's just a kid, you know, in his early 30s. Mm. Uh, and he's not ready for this. Uh, but after that... It's cocktail time. So into Kirk's quarters with a little space booze. Then Rand glides in with a plate of dietary greens and Kirk <laughs> is not impressed. Kirk is annoyed because McCoy has assigned him this meal mm. because he thinks he's getting fat. Mm. And he's also annoyed that he's been given a attractive female yeoman. Oh, what's going on with this episode? He's acting as though Rand's new and we're just supposed to put up with it. Yeah, I, I know. I'm sorry. That's just, this is, <laughs> we're watching them as they were aired. And for some reason, the powers that be decided to air, you know, show them out of order. I don't know why. Shoot a new scene and edit it in. I, if I could, I would. <laughs> Let's do that. So Sulu gets on the intercom system and he says, this is not a drill. A new object is approaching. It's a glitter ball. <laughs> it's a giant spherical object about a mile in diameter. It's really pretty and complex, but I'm not comfortable with the remastered effects. I want the retro authentic, less good stuff. <laughs> the actors don't get to be remastered. Well, no, but I think the actors are great. And they are, but we're judging it from a modern perspective, looking at it having been made in the 60s. But some of it, they've modernized. Yeah, 
I know. I personally, I really like the remastered stuff. It's it is beautiful. because it, But it also stays true to the designs of the original. Like if I show you pictures mm. from the original designs, you know, and the shots are yeah. exactly the same shots. It's what they would have done. Yeah, supposedly. they could afford, you know, if they could afford to do it. Anyway, they get hit by a hard tractor beam. Oh, I know what that is from the pilot. It drags them along like a tractor. Well, you know, I actually... I did some research after that. It's an old sci-fi term coined by E.E. Smith. A tractor beam. A tractor. A tractor. So it attracts things. It pulls them closer. But now you know the rest of the the story. story. While trying to get them out of the tractor beam, the engines overload and they have to shut everything down. Bailey is totally spaced out. He can't hear orders. So Sulu is reaching over and flipping over the switches. You know, Mm. he's doing his job for him. They send out a hailing message, but it's on Bailey's navigation system, his beam that they get the message. Uh, the deep voice says that the sphere is the Viserius, a flagship of the First Federation, and they are talking to the commanding officer, Balok. With his booming deep voice, cheekily says their ship is obviously primitive. <laughs> so Balok says that the Enterprise has shown their hostile intention by ignoring the cube, a warning buoy, and then destroying it. So Balok says he is now considering their disposition. When Kirk tries to explain to Balok, some crazy powerful sensors invade the all of the Enterprise's systems, and Balak refuses further communication with the Enterprise and will destroy it if it makes a move, he says. Ooh, it's a bit harsh, isn't it? They couldn't escape the buoy, boy. Yeah. Could they? No, no. Balak's kind of seeming like a jerk. Kirk launches a recorder marker to warn other vessels in the area, mm. uh, but then Balak destroys it. He gives them 10 minutes to make death preparations, assuming that they have a deity or deities. Mm. So McCoy tells Kirk that Balak's message was heard throughout the ship. Mm. So everybody knows what's going on. So Mm. Kirk, it's up to him to calm the crew. So he gets on and he speaks to the whole ship. He claims that because Balak's kind are of superior intelligence, they will understand the Enterprise's motives, suggesting that enhanced empathy or compassion results from intelligence. Mm. What do you think? I mean, there's some very smart people that are pretty evil. Mm. Like, that exists. Ooh. So um, Strong statement to start off the debate with that. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you want to look historically at humanity, mm. as our technological levels have grown, we have become more humane. We don't have death on the mass scale that we used to have it. Mm. So More um, civilized. Yeah. Not necessarily the intelligence no. creating less death no, no we're definitely more connected to each other hmm. i don't know it's a it's an interesting thought very provocative kirk tells the Fisarius that the enterprise will return the way it came but the glitter ball drains all their engine and weapon power instead then spock somehow gets a visual of Baylock. not sure how it's a ludicrously bad stilted puppet alien guy whittled from wood in half an hour with an axe <laughs> Oh, but it's not as bad as those horrifying tree trunk animal decorations at the garden centre. Do you know the ones I mean? Oh, right, yeah. Those are terrible. We'll have to post some pictures of those. We'll get some pictures of those next time we're at the garden centre. That's the stuff of nightmares. They're horrific. But in this one, the mouth doesn't move and the head just kind of judders awkwardly from side to side. It's like saw. Right. I know they can do better than this, so I'm confused and amused. <laughs> and they also have the screen kind of distorted. It's, yes. So to waving. kind of mask the uh, the the crappiness of the, <laughs> the puppet. It's got a dream sequence. It. Yeah, yeah. Bailey has been losing it and zoning out, kind of dissociating with the trauma. And he starts shouting, having a human reaction to fear. What are you, robots? So Kirk relieves him of his duty and is sent away to his room. So Kirk pleads with Balak about their non-hostile intentions, but Balak ignores them. 
With four minutes left, Kirk asks Spock for options, but Spock says sometimes, as in chess, when one is outmatched, the game is over. Yeesh. Checkmate. Kirk is appalled. So Spock starts to say he's sorry, but then he just kind of stops and he says, I can't think of a more logical alternative. They just sit there and wait for a bit. And it's very tense. You know, mm. there's a lot of close-ups of people's eyes looking worried and stressed out. Mm. McCoy asks to record the incident with Bailey as uh, fatigue. But Kirk totally just says, you know, shuts him down. And McCoy goes, look, I disagree with what you did. I'm going to say that the incident was a direct result of you putting too much pressure on a young navigator. I'll state that I warned you about Bailey's condition. Now that's no bluff. What is going on? <laughs> They've become snippy under pressure before, but that was when they had the zombie and a wig infection. <laughs> Does McCoy really need to be ribbing him about leadership when they've got three minutes left to live? And Kirk's trying to think of a way to save them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, well, I think that this argument might might have been a tool of the writers <laughs> yes. here. Because Kirk dares McCoy to try and bluff him. But then, ho, ho, idea. Bing. We're not playing chess here. We're playing poker. Boom. Ship to ship. Healing frequency's open, sir. This is the captain of the Enterprise. Our respect for other life forms requires that we give you this warning. There's one critical item of information that has never been incorporated into the memory banks of any Earth ship. Since the early years of space exploration, Earth vessels have had incorporated into them a substance known as corbomite. It is a material and a device which prevents attack on us. If any destructive energy touches our vessel, a reverse reaction of equal strength is created, destroying... You now have two minutes. Destroying the attacker. It may interest you to know that since the initial use of Corbomite more than two of our centuries ago, no attacking vessel has survived the attempt. Death has little meaning to us. If it has none to you, then attack us now. We grow annoyed at your foolishness. Yikes. Oh, hard balling it. Kirk's got no other options, but pitting himself against a super intelligent being in a game of deception is ballsy. Yeah. Spock comments that Baylock reminds him of his dad. <laughs> Scotty ribs that he must have been hard on his human mum. No, says Spock, she liked it. <laughs> oh, great. Well, the humans of this future do seem to like a commanding, treat a mean to keep them keen type guy, but a mass murderer who doesn't even listen? <laughs> so Balak chooses secret option number three and makes no reaction. Mm. It looks like they have failed and are about to eat it, but Bailey returns to the bridge calmer and asks to resume his duties, which Kirk grants. He's gone up to his room, thought about what he did, and he's come back to play nicely. <laughs> but, you know, I think it's just the fact that they're all going to die. He wants to face death mm. in his post. So Sulu counts down the final sequence to destruction. But as the timer reaches zero, nothing happens. <gasps> the crew share their relief and Spock says that he'd like to uh, try this poker. <laughs> How about a group hug? <laughs> then Rand pops in with some coffee. I thought the power was off in the galley. I used a hand phaser and sap. Hot coffee. <laughs> <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Wouldn't I make a great wife? Uh -huh. 
You know that's what was going oh, yeah. on there, yeah. So Bailar calls in and says their destruction has been delayed. He wants proof of this Corbamite. So Kirk, now thinking he's got the upper hand, just denies the request and decided to let Balak sweat it out. The Glitter Ball sends out a pilot vessel, which Balak says will tow them to the First Federation planet as prisoners. The Enterprise will then be destroyed. Uh, so this small ship tractor beams the Enterprise, and Balak adds that any attempted escape or attack will result in the destruction of their ship. Oof. So Kirk orders the crew to shear away from the pilot ship to tax its engines, and the Enterprise's impulse engines begin to overheat. Kirk orders more power, just do it, do it, do it, it shudders, mm. but Balak's ship shows signs of stress too. Everyone on the ship seems to be milling around in the corridors being flung about. No seatbelts, but maybe just sit down. It's like scenes from Airplane that you've got to do. It is kind of funny. Anyway, Spock warns the engines are close to exploding, but Kirk says, go for it, more thrust. Finally, they break free. Balak's ship also seems to be disabled. Hey, are all these people really needed on the bridge? Sulu occasionally presses a button when he's told to. Most of them just read out stats or transmissions. You know, they, not really. Um, oh. <laughs> in Star Trek Three, they fly a whole ship with just five people. Oh. But I mean, it's the future. People need jobs. They want to mm. feel useful. Mm. So, you know, they got this one guy's job on the bridge, I guess, is just to kind of write down what color lights are lit. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but everybody wants to be needed. Uh-huh. Hey, what's this Star Trek 3? I've never heard of this before. The third Star Trek film with the original crew. The Enterprise is crewed by only like a handful of people. Everyone else just mills around in the corridors. Well, you'll have to watch the movie. Okay, well, you never know. <laughs> <laughs> Scott says the engines need work bad, but Spock warns that Balak has sent out a distress signal to the Viserys, and they've got to get out of there. But Uhura reads a message saying that the engines are down and the life support is failing. She thinks that the signal is so weak, the mothership probably didn't get it. Hmm. Kirk, being a Starfleet man, uh. orders them to rescue Balak. Now, Dr. McCoy thinks that this isn't such a hot idea, and Kirk says that the mission of the Enterprise is to seek out alien life and to do the right thing. Gosh. So he orders McCoy and, and Bailey to accompany him on the landing party over to the other ship. Now, Spock is jonesing to go. He's so excited, but then Kirk goes, you got to stay here. I want you on the Enterprise just in case Balak has set some kind of trap. Oh, but she surely has. <laughs> It's like that trope of you've had a massive fight on the clifftop with someone who's almost thrown you over the edge and then they end up over the edge with by the fingernails. <laughs> Instead of stamping on their fingers, you help them back up. Come on. <laughs> I'm going to spoil something for you. That exact same thing happens in Star Trek 3. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe you just said that. Like I'm looking into the oh future. Oh my God. I can't believe you just said that. <laughs> That oh, exact weird. same thing happens. Spoiler oh. alert. Oh, my God. Oh, so it's it's breathable, of course, on the glitter ball, even though Balok said they were towing them to a planet that would sustain their life. So they transport to the ship, crouching because of the low ceilings. <laughs> That's great. <laughs> That's pretty good. Scotty goes, it's kind of cramped in there. And so <laughs> they, they all kind of hunch over and they I look like really that. uncomfortable when they do it. It's funny. They immediately see that Balok is a head and torso dummy. Oh, it was intentional. Yep. The cheeky sods. They gotcha. And then the real Balak welcomes them in. He's bald. I thought maybe a dwarf child <laughs> with awesome bushy ginger eyebrows. <laughs> a sparkly outfit. Of course. Leather. What was I thinking? What were you thinking? I don't know what that was. Uh, but the actor is six-year-old Clint Howard. 
the brother of Ron Howard, oh. famous director. Mm-hmm. Yes. He was an actor in his own right, most well-known as playing the kid in Gentle Ben. Oh. But he's been in so many movies that it would make you physically sick if you saw the <laughs> list of movies that he's been in. Maybe but that's what was wrong with Ahura. <laughs> <laughs> he's a weird-looking guy as an adult. It really shocks me that he was the one who's been, <laughs> who's been threatening him this whole time. <laughs> So Balak offers them a welcome cocktail, a, a Tranya. He's really into this Tranya and he's really pushing it on them. I love it. And he says that the puppet is his alter ego used to frighten the Enterprise to find out their true intentions. He says he has no crew and that he controls the whole Fisaria ship from his pilot vessel. Now that's how you run a ship efficiently. There you go. <laughs> but why does he control the starship? Why bother? Is it like a big train set to him? That he can control this big mothership from where he is. Could be, yeah. I don't know. That's a good question. What does he need that whole big sphere for? Mm. I don't know. Maybe it does other scientific things, or maybe it can go much faster, or Mm. maybe inside is a huge biosphere, you know, like there's living things inside. I don't know. Or a swimming pool. (laughs) It's it's just a very large swimming pool. (laughs) Oh, so he's lonely. He just wants a chat. Yeah, so Balak says he'd like to share info and cultures with them. Uh, maybe one of their crew would stay with him and mm. they would just kind of hang out and talk and chill. Yeah. And Bailey volunteers straight away. <laughs> They're all finding it so adorbs and totally understandable that this kid had them in fear for their lives, <laughs> nearly blowing their engines trying to escape. And he just wanted a, an exchange student for a while. <laughs> Let's forget the whole thing and just do it. Uh. Yeah, yeah, he's get, get a point there. there. I, I would be a little miffed, but I guess they're just... <laughs> like, aww. <laughs> he's pretty cute. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so Kirk consents to this, explaining that while Bailey might not represent the best of Starfleet, he has a lot to learn, and Balok could learn more about humans through his mistakes. Aww. <laughs> Is that why your parents sent you to Russia instead of your brother? <laughs> Yes. So Balak laughs. Oh boy, does he. And agrees uh, to having Bailey. Can we have a clip of his laugh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Balak holds hands with Kirk and links arms with McCoy. Yeah. Offering a tour of the ship, he tells Kirk, we're so alike. We both love our ship. <laughs> so Kirk's heart and willingness to risk his life for their mission finally pays off. Yeah. It was a rad bizarre ending worth it <laughs> oh good good yeah because i knew how it ended obviously mm. uh, and i remembered that but it was a little bit more slower pace than i remembered mm-hmm. and i thought there was more than actually happened mm. because like you said a lot of it's just on the bridge and they're talking about these things going yeah. on it was one of those episodes that shows often have where they're shut into one room yeah so the sparkly baby just wanted a nice friend to talk culture and laugh bizarrely with <laughs> He had to know the person was nice first by trapping, bullying, threatening their life, pretending to be a creepy puppet, etc. The usual only child stuff. (laughs) (laughs) So did he manipulate the whole thing then, including Kirk's poker move? Would he have killed them? No, I don't think he was going to kill them ever because he seems pretty nice. Mm. I think he was just seeing what would happen if they would freak out and panic. I know as much about Balak as you do. <laughs> yeah. So if maybe... We're just wondering. I thought he said he was looking to make sure they were nice, but maybe also intelligent. Because if it was nice, he could have just sent out the distress signal initially and see if they would go help. Right, yeah. That would have been a really simple thing to do. Would have been a short episode, though, yeah. wouldn't it? So ratings. Concepts. 
not as much to muse on on this one. No. Um, reactions to fear, a conditioned, calm, obedient response of soldiers they were presenting that Bailey wasn't managing to do. Yeah. More exploration about being a leader and a strategist yeah. that we've explored before. Yeah, I, I thought that it has a lot of the sci-fi tropes, but it's not a very sci-fi story. Maybe that of a more advanced alien culture testing humanity, which is a very common theme mm. in Star Trek. That happens a lot. But for concepts, I only give it a three. There was a lot of battling between the powers of ships that... Could yeah. you have that in a naval context? Or yeah. did that have to be space? I could see it taking place on boats and they run into some kind of big Navy destroyer that mm -hmm. has lots of guns and their small ship doesn't have big guns and then they latches onto them it's more of a, a psycho drama i think good sci-fi is about taking an aspect of your culture and reflecting it back at yourself in a kind of a slightly distorted way mm. that helps you look at the idea more objectively mm. whereas that doesn't really happen in this did it offer something about gathering information through hacking but not really Understanding yeah, the whole picture. But that's not, I mean, that's not like a sci, you know, sci-fi concept is like, what if you can live forever? Mm -hmm. And then you explore that idea and what that means and the repercussions of it. We don't really get an idea here. Mm. Action or entertainment. Pretty great suddenly at the end. Yeah. And the balls of it just ending it where it did. <laughs> <laughs> Baylock starts leading them by the arm around his ship. And yeah. that was it. Action-wise, there's hardly any action on it. Mm. But entertainment-wise, I was pretty entertained. Uh, it's, it wasn't as good as I remembered it being for me, but I'd still give it a like a six, maybe a seven. Mm. I didn't mind it being in one location, but it was a bit slow. Yeah. No Kirk Fu. No. Mm, five. Okay. Sexiness. Ooh, sexiness. Well, there's only the topless Dom sub stuff with Kirk and McCoy. <laughs> <laughs> He really wanted him to keep working out. Rand's laser coffee. Yeah. Kind of got me going a little bit. <laughs> Very industrious. But minus for Paul Hura's ill-looking face. Oh, so, yeah. three. You know, actually, maybe the makeup person never actually had to apply makeup to a black person mm, before. Wondered about that. There wasn't a lot of black actors on television at the time, so maybe yeah. that was the case. It can't have just been that she doesn't look good in mustard. No, it, no. It, it was, was more it, than that. Yeah, it was like her hair was weird and her, her mm. skin looked kind of peaked and stuff. And, mm -hmm. and she looks great all the rest of the time. So oh, I think yeah. it was... Uh, no. Oh, sexiness. Oh. I didn't even give it. Um, oh. Yeah, it's not very sexy. Um, mm. One, two. Is this show going to get sexier? Is it kind of wrong of us to have a category for sexy? Oh, no, it gets sexy. <laughs> My predictions were terrible for this episode. <laughs> one of the things I suggested at the beginning. Usually I get something right. Yeah, Just well, by chance. Oh, uh, yeah. But this one's this one's pretty out there. So, uh, yeah, I guess yeah. so. <laughs> you're you're in the clear, I think. It didn't let me feel clever or superior or laugh at it by noticing something silly or incongruous because yeah. they were aware of it all and they addressed everything I thought I'd spotted. Yeah. I admire that. But they outmaneuvered me. They de-skilled me. <laughs> Seems Kirk had a maneuver just for you. <laughs> so next week. Oh, oh. The Menagerie. Ooh. It's a two-parter that reuses the footage from the first pilot episode with Pike. Oh, goodness. Yeah. Oh, you're in for a treat. There's some ridiculous stuff in this one. Oh, my goodness. What is going on? <laughs> We're going back to the first pilot now? <laughs> you just, you just got to see it. You're going to love it. I want to thank our patrons. We have gotten such amazing support. I can't believe it. 
Um, I'm so excited. People are listening sh to our show and loving it enough to back it with their dollars. That is amazing. <laughs> yeah, thanks so much for getting on the ship with us. And with that, I'm Chris Lackey. And I'm Rachel Lackey. And this is... Rachel Watches Star Trek. Thank you, backers. Brian James Dimmitt. Richard Wolf. Jörg Sterner. Reese Roberts. Jason Rainbird. Douglas McCool. Rafe Ball. Louis Carter. The Clyde. S.J. Patterson. Joe Webb. Jason Perry. Armine Schmid. Elizabeth Grady. Dennis Newsom. Maddie Hiker. Tim Farley. Samurai's Kreider. Trev Boyd. Clive Dunsing III. Lord Marduk. Robert Harwood. Thomas Feely. Allison Scott. Stephen Lemieux. Stephen. Phil Groff. Fludge Crawler Boston. Martin S9157. He's a replicant. Jeffrey Sumler. William Lohman. Jeffrey Hall. The Yellow King. Kevin Smith. Dylan Winslow. B. McNeil. Noah Sudret. Anthony Pineda. Donnie Bliss. Dave Mackin. Jennifer DeFord. Julia DeCesare. James Kundart. David Wetzel. Forrest Rush. Don Motley. Joanna Crompton. Jonas Rulo. Steve Dempsey. Graham Eberhardt. Matthew Sanborn Smith. Gail Underreiner. Wayne Dirac. David Buswell Wibble. So sorry if we've butchered your name. Thank you very, very much indeed. Thank you so much. And maybe by the next time we see you, we'll be doing two episodes a month. Oh. Rachel watches Star Trek.